This week, we speak to co-founders Jen and Zoe of luxury loungewear and lifestyle brand Sunday Lux. Although they both met in 2015 through their work in advertising, Jen and Zoe share similar work ethic values and this came about from their upbringings. From an early age, under her grandmother's influence of helping her fix holes and zips, Jen fell in love with fashion and her sewing machine. Matching with a mindset to live a luxurious life and watching her parents work hard, Zoe's love for fashion expanded when she was met with shooting for premium brands like Marie Claire. Jen and Zoe grew an instant connection at work when they realised that their conversations were leading to wanting to own their own business. Their entrepreneurial mindsets made them realise the gap in the market for loungewear that makes a statement yet is still classic and made with the finest of fabrics. Years on, they obtained successful careers and still managed to keep in contact as Zoe eventually moved to New York and Jen laid the foundation of Sunday Lux. In this episode, we take a trip down Zoe and Jen's journey into fashion business and how being customers for their own brand enabled them to create the perfect loungewear label. We also discuss how their combined skills benefited their business, how money comes into play when you have a co-founder, and the importance of having the right mindset to help achieve success in business. This is a great episode to remind you that setting up a fashion business may not be easy. Jen and Zoe experienced some difficult obstacles along the way of launching and even after launching, but you've got to be strong and leave the comparison habits at the door. I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, please leave us a five-star review on Apple as this helps us grow our platform and reach more people like you. Enjoy! Welcome to the Designer to Designer podcast show. This is a safe space created for aspiring and startup fashion designers entrepreneurs. Through this podcast show, I sit down with some of your favorite independent designers and give you exclusive behind the scenes access to their lives and brands. I aim to make sure you get to know the designers for who they are and finally engage with relatable stories. We touch on everything from mindset to finances to their childhoods and their biggest, wildest fashion dreams. This podcast is hosted by yours truly, Rebecca Tembo, founder of a self-titled women's wear label and the entry platform which produces this show. Now sit tight, enjoy the ride and get ready to be blown away by today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Jen and Zoe. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having us. So to begin, tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you do, and the moment you fell in love with fashion. Great. So I grew up just outside of Oxford, a small town called Wantage, which didn't have a lot going on. Um, in a very traditional family. So my dad went out to work whilst my mum was a stay-at-home mum with me and my two sisters. And yeah, it was a very kind of loving and happy childhood. And I think I fell in love with fashion from a really early age. So my grandma always kind of came over on a Sunday and any holes or zips that need fixing with our clothes, she would sort of help us with those. So I learned from an early age how to use a sewing machine and things like that. So I always just had a love of fashion and that just grew as I got older. Um, and I grew up just outside of London with my parents and my brother and sister, um, working class family. My parents worked really, really hard. Um, and I think that's where I've got my work ethic from. All of us children worked from when we were fairly young. Um, so I've always known that I sort of wanted more and I wanted to, you know, live a life and that had some luxuries in it. Um, 
And in terms of where I found fashion, it probably was a little bit later at Time Inc, where we both met at work in advertising, doing shoots for the likes of Marie Claire and InStyle. And that's where I started to really get to know some premium brands. Um, And also, I guess, when I lived in New York, there's a company there called Rent the Runway, which have some, um, you can rent designer brands, basically. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know it. And that's where I started to really wear lots of different designers and get to know, you know, what feels really nice and what looks good and things like that. Lovely. So um, you mentioned you worked in advertising before where you both met at work. What was the initial dream before starting the fashion brand? I think we've both always had a, a big kind of entrepreneurial mindset. So I knew early on that I wanted to have my own business, whatever that looked like. Fashion was, I would, I always wanted my own fashion brand, but when I was younger, it felt very much like a pipe dream. So I thought it might be down the route of advertising or something like that. Um, But always been a very hard worker and also love to work. So I think I got a paper round when I was about 13, 13 years old. And my mum made me stop. She said it was dangerous because I was out cycling with, you had to strap two bags across you full of papers. Um, And my dad gave us kind of working opportunities, both me and my sister, um, as part of his work. There was a, a shop below his offices that we could go and work for. And I just, I love the feed, that independence of feeling of, you know, earning your own money um, and and working for money, I suppose, I I really enjoyed. And I guess um, I was similar. I knew that I wanted my own business, but I didn't know what in. I knew that I wanted my own business because I saw how hard my mum and dad worked when I was younger. And I didn't want to be working that hard for somebody else. So, I mean, that's, to be honest, before we started the business, I have been working so hard for somebody else, but we we want to reap the rewards of, of our hard work. So, um, yeah. Lovely. So the two of you met in 2015, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how did your friendship actually form? Who met who first? Who walked over to the other table? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we met in 2015. Zoe was already working for Time Inc. And I came to join as a freelance project manager. Zoe was actually my boss at the time. Mm-hmm. And we, it, we sort of, our friendship is rooted with kind of the same core values. So because we worked in a work, sorry, because we met in a work environment, straight away we could see that we had the same work ethic, that we had um, the same ideas about things. We had the same attitude of kind of working as hard as we could for things, but then also enjoying ourselves outside of work. So we would go to work and give it our all. And then after work drinks, rather than spending time talking about kind of office gossip, we would be talking about business plans and what we could potentially do together or what we wanted for our future. So I think we were very, from day one, we've been very close and very aligned with what we're looking for out of work. And I think our conversations have always been since we've met around wanting our own business. So it's amazing that we're at this point now where we own a business together. We've created this together because at the early days, we were very much like, 
we wanted our own thing and we're encouraging each other to explore those different options. And I guess even though we've only known each other for six years, quite a lot has happened in those six years. So, you know, I've moved to New York and Jen came out so many times. We carried on talking the way we always do about, you know, ideas and, you know, inspiration for our businesses. Then moved back. We've both had lots of different jobs since then. We've moved houses since then. I've had a baby since then. So even though it's just been six years, a lot has changed in our lives, which I think has, you know, brought us close together and we've still kept that same thread you know of course we're there for each other through all the different ups and downs but we've kept that same thread of you know wanting to achieve more and wanting to you know do our own business so yeah we've been friends for six years but a lot has happened in that time (laughs) well you know what they say you can know someone for six years and it feels like a lifetime so it's so lovely that you the two of you were able to meet at work build a really good friendship but then also a business which is what you both wanted as well so Congratulations. Um, what did that first initial conversation look like when it came to specifically building Sunday Lux? Yeah, so so Jen always had the idea of a loungewear brand. Um, and she spoke to me before about, you know, what that could look like. I didn't know what I wanted to do in terms of business, but I knew that I wanted my own business. Um, when I came back from New York, it was just at the start of the pandemic. So the job market was extremely um, sparse. You know, people were getting made redundant and everything. So whilst I was looking for my new corporate job, um, I had a lot of free time. You know, it was lockdown and I, you know, not one to sit around. So I rang Jen and I said, you know, I think now's the time that we could go into business together. Um, I've got some free time so I can do, you know, a big chunk of groundwork while I'm applying for corporate jobs. And then a few days later, Joan rang me back and said, you know, why don't you come in on Sunday? Like, I really do think, you know, I'm on onto a good thing here. I think, you know, there's a lot of potential in loungewear. So I agreed to come on board. Um, and it's just been, you know, the, the rest is history. We've just been going from there, really. Um, so, yeah, Jen looks at a lot of the design of the products. Um, she's got a great creative eye. And then... I do a lot of the, you know, like marketing and branding and and stuff like that, that maybe was difficult for Jen to launch on her own before. So our combined skills, I guess, have have made it what it is today. And I think as well, where we both wanted our own businesses, and because we're both so driven, there's an element of needing the control with that as well. So I think when those initial conversations were ha- happened, I thought really carefully about it. And so did, so we had several conversations about how that would look. And obviously Zoe coming on board with something that already had a, an initial idea. But looking that Sunday Lux is sort of nothing without Zoe. And really, we wouldn't have it any other way. I, I just can't imagine that this brand would have ever taken off the ground without Zoe. And we've got very our skill sets really complement each other. And I think we're so lucky because it is challenging, you know, working with someone, I think it, you know, it's got to be the right, right partnership. And we do, you know, I, I genuinely love working with Zoe. So I just feel really grateful that we managed to get to this point. Sweet. Um, I hope you don't mind me asking. I actually had a recent conversation with someone about this and I was trying to understand the best way to approach it. So I, I hope that with, the two of you this would be a good example but obviously so um 
Jane, you started the business, I guess, first, and then Zoe came on board. Do you mind, like, maybe talking about how much you started with in terms of, like, financially? So how much you used to fund the business? And then with Zoe coming on, did you have the expectation of, well, you also need to, like, contribute financially to, like, help give it that initial boost, if that's not too sensitive? Yeah, no, of course. So as Zoe had said, I had sort of an initial idea but hadn't built it up to anything remotely substantial. So I'd dabbled in buying a couple of um, domain names, for example. So the investment I had put in to that point was fairly minimal. And what we had agreed from day one when Zoe said, yeah, okay, I'll come in on this, is we, um, I think, I can't remember how, I think I maybe spent a few hundred pounds. So we literally put that into the business as well. So we said, right, we're at a, a nil point and we're, we're doing this together moving forwards. And today we've pretty much put 50-50 in. Uh, you know, as we stand now, we have put in a fairly sizable chunk of money each towards it. But that that initial few months, absolutely everything, you know, if an invoice came, our website, for example, 400 pounds. So we put 200 and I put 200. And so we feel really comfortable that we're both, we both contributed equal amounts to it. And I think you're right to say it is a sensitive matter because, you know, I, I'm sure at some point there will come a time when someone is going to have to invest in more. I think recently, so you just have to put in, we had a big yarn order and I just didn't have it and, and Zoe's covered it. But we've got to a really nice place where, you know, it feels very balanced, what mm-hmm. you saying. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just on the matter of money, you know, we've had one or two opportunities for investment without chasing too much. And we've both decided not to go down that route at the moment. We both would rather, you know, put in as much as we can ourselves because we do really want to be our own boss. That was one of the big reasons we started a business. And we feel like if we have an investor at the moment, it's going to, we're going to have somebody to answer to. Um, and we're not saying we'll never have investors, you know, we, we'll probably need investors down the line. But at the moment, we feel really happy that everything we do, we, we can do it on our own terms. We can do it in our own time because it's our money, it's our time, it's our energy. Um, so, you know, that's not the right route for everyone. But at the moment, that's working for our business. Yeah, definitely. And it, it just gives you so much more freedom with the future as well. So you don't have to, like, answer to someone that says, actually, I think you should go down this route or don't do loungewear anymore and you're like no I want to do loungewear (laughs) which is a great segue into my next question which was why loungewear I have a thing about jumpsuits and I love jumpsuits so I'm hoping it's the like same feeling that loungewear gives you yeah well it really came from the fact that we couldn't find what we wanted so we're very much the customer for our own business you know it's for you know, successful women. So it's for our friends, it's for our work colleagues, um, you know, anyone that is in that mindset, really. We'd, we'd brought, you know, so many different loungewear sets from High Street, so like Topshop, Zara, and all of those, which were fine on the first two wears. And then after you wash them, they kind of look scruffy. You feel like, you know, you wouldn't go out somewhere proper in them. It's just quickly running down the shop. Um and then even when you wear them in the house, you don't feel your best. And then we also invested in cashmere sets, which looked amazing the first time we wore them. But you've, every time you wash them, it's got to be a hand wash. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, who's got the time to hand wash things nowadays? Um, so we really made it because we couldn't find what we wanted ourselves. So, mm-hmm. and also I think um, 
there were silly things that came up. Like, so when I book a holiday, for example, planning my airport outfit is almost as exciting as the thought of going on holiday. So when I'm thinking about what I want to wear to the airport, where you want to be cosy, but you want to look really stylish, um, try and bag that upgrade if you can. Um, it just, it, I don't know, we just love kind of being cosy, but all, not compromising by looking kind of scruffy. So it was just, it's purely just for a love of loungewear, really. Lovely. And who would you say that a customer is? I know you've mentioned your friends, yourselves, successful women that are clearly killing it. Um, and of course, the price point is, I would say, like a premium price point, would you say? And it, it has that luxury aesthetic, of course, of the brand. Um, but besides that, who else like who else would fit into that category of your customer? It's quite varied. We've had we've had um, when we've looked at people who have purchased from us. It's quite a range, really. Mm. And when we said we were very careful when we developed our values and talked about sort of successful women, that it's not just sort of financially or you know people that have got those big shot jobs or anything it's about women who want more from their lives whatever that looks like what their interpretation of that is if it's staying home with kids and doing the best possible job that's our target market if it's wanting to become CEO of a bank that's our target market it's for us and what connects us probably so deeply is that desire for personal growth mm. so our any, any we, we could be talking to a 22 year old you know that perhaps hasn't got the um funds yet to invest in us um but they they're aspirational and they they're driven um goal getters you know so they're our target market as well perfect um obviously building a fashion brand or any business is, is it's extremely difficult um and I wish it could be easy and if it was we'd all do it but it's not um you need to have a lot of grit and determination in the early days so I'd love to know more about what those like first days look like for you like the nitty-gritty working at home working at night <laughs> it like you say it is incredibly hard um starting up a fashion business I think one of the the one things I've got um, another close friend that always said to me that you you may not be the best in that arena but you're doing it and that's more than most people so we obviously we back our products and I genuinely do think they are um we put our hearts and soul into them, but just being, just doing it sets people aside. So I think it's kind of having that confidence. I think there has to be a deep rooted want to do it that isn't just driven by a financial goal because, mm. you know, you say what were the early days like, we genuinely still feel like we're very much in those early days. Like it's so flattering to, you know, be on this podcast with you, but we still feel like we're, finding our way and I think for us the the launch day was qu quite emotional really because we had put in so much work prior to that but it felt very like it was just the two of us so which was so nice and it was just excitement and we were planning all these things and talking about what happens if the brand takes off and then literally on launch day this weird anxious feeling where all of a sudden we were putting our baby essentially out to be judged by the world. You know, what if people didn't like what we did? And I think 
it's a constant roller coaster of emotions and we both still have fairly demanding jobs we work for big companies running big teams so we're still very much the working before work working after work working at weekends we do all elements of the business ourselves so we're still we're still very much in that part but when we've both said to each other before you know do you need a break you know we've got a lot on but we say we'll almost give up anything else but not working on Sunday Lux because we both just love it so much it doesn't really feel like work does it it's Mm. I think because we both have creative elements within Sunday Lux as well so you know I'd happily spend my Sunday afternoon you know planning out the social media or doing whatever and Jen would happily you know think about what products coming up that doesn't feel like work it's like we'd be doing that anyway really looking mm. at social media or looking at other brands even if we didn't have the business it just feels so special that we can do it on our own business yeah I think obviously once you're doing something that you love it it will never really feel like work um which is amazing I'm curious as to how you both you know deal with balance which I hate the word because I don't know if it's real um obviously though you've just had a baby so there's also that, like, you know, I'm a mom now and, you know, there's a lot of conversation around mums and, like, you know, the guilt as well of not being there enough or, you know, how the mom, the mums on the blogs are and everything with all their commentary. So I'm interested in how you, like, balance things, especially having jobs where you're having to, you know, like, take care of a team and show up and be the best that you can be for them. Yeah, so I guess to start with the mum thing, so I had a baby eight weeks ago. So it's still very much a baby. Um, And with that, I mean, you just have to try your best. I, you know, yesterday had him like asleep and then the laptop going. So you do, I think it's fine. You just have to, I miss out on some of the, I guess, um, you know, baby classes or meeting some of the other mums, but I'd so much rather be doing this, to be honest. Um, I was going to say, I think the, the balance conversation is quite difficult because it's you growing a business takes an awful lot of work and we we had a discussion about this actually recently about a book we're both reading about it's now the hustle culture is now sort of being frowned upon and that you need this balance when I think it's you you can't build a business without the hustle so the balance element of it we 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 I didn't have ever had the conversation and said, okay, we need to balance out Sunday Lux with, you know, time off and things like that. We both just give it our all mm. at all times, but we are both very emotionally intelligent as well in that we can recognise in one another when someone either needs a bit of a break or if we're really kind of burning the candle at both ends. And what's so nice is we we both have said a couple of times this is our own business. We go at the pace that we want and we can choose. I think, I can't remember exactly when it was we were going to launch a product and we literally had to get it to the photographers by 10 a.m. and then we had to get it live on the site by the evening because it was going live. I can't quite remember which one it was, but it just felt too much and we just said, let's just launch it in a week then because we can do that. So I think the, the balance element if you're, you know, if you're needing balance in your life, like being that with an entrepreneur and running your business is is challenging. 
No, 100%. And I'm so happy that you mentioned that because I feel the same way too about, you know, you wanting to work hard and pursue your dreams. And then now online, it's all about, you know, self-care, which is important. But also, you know, you shouldn't hustle. You shouldn't work hard. You should not do more than you need to do. And it's difficult when you have a business because it's like, this is not realistic for me to achieve what I want to achieve. And I've found it quite difficult sometimes to work as hard as I could because I know that there are people who aren't you know it's kind of like when you when you're in school and like you and your friends go to the library and like revise or something you can easily do it because you can see everyone around you doing it but then when you have a business and then you're being told that it's bad to work hard it's hard to do as much because you're like oh like I'm meant to work or like maybe I should rest and like have a day off I don't know if you guys have experienced that <laughs> uh, definitely and I think Again, another reason why it's so nice that we get to do this together. And we have got very, very supportive friends and family. But we do have to prioritise this over sometimes family time, over doing things with friends, you know. And we just have to trust that that is the right thing for us. Uh, but not everyone will get it. And that's fine. We, Again, we're just lucky that we've got each other that we can lean on in those circumstances. Totally agree. It's so helpful, you know, having a partner. You know, when I had the baby, Jen was like, take some time off, you know, obviously, like, I'll cover for you. And you couldn't really do that if you were just, you know, your business would just be dead for like a couple of weeks. So it's just so nice having somebody there that can take the weight sometimes. Or, you know, if Jen's on holiday, then I can take the weight off and say, you know, no, really enjoy your break or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but we are both quite bad because even when we're meant to be on a break, we do still <laughs> check things. But I mean, I think that's just the nature. You you never really completely zone out. Um, but again, it's because we love it. So it doesn't feel like a chore. Exactly. And it will pay off. And so many people like your family and friends will benefit from that as well. Because you just want to treat them and like, you know, give them lovely presents yeah. and take them to so many different places. So it will all be worth it. Um, so kind of back to the topic of money quickly, you price at a premium luxury price point. Um, and of course, it's absolutely worth it. The quality is amazing. You're, you're both wearing your pieces now. And I love, <laughs> I love wow. both of them. Um, obviously, money is a very taboo topic. And a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about it. And I wonder if you had any worry about like pricing and should you go for it should you try and charge you know less than 100 pounds or if anyone even said any comment I remember when I was she was actually a few years ago so I was actually quite young and I must have charged like it's so crazy now because I would never charge as much but I charged like 125 pounds maybe for a dress that was handmade years ago and um someone sent me a message and said oh my god that's so expensive what are you doing and this was a guy as well who's not going to buy it so um and I I think from then it made me feel very like self-conscious when it came to pricing and um you know yesterday I had a call with this amazing woman who's a very successful entrepreneur um based in Brighton now and you know, we're just going through my brand and everything. Like she basically just helps me with like, you know, uh, mentorship and stuff. And she was just saying like, this should be worn on this person and your customer is here. And, you know, give me all of this amazing advice. And it was interesting when I was speaking to someone else who would be that customer, who is, who is a customer, like she had a different view on the way that she would speak to me about money. And she would openly say, I'm very wealthy. And I'm like, I know that, <laughs> but I've seen your house. <laughs> but it was kind of refreshing versus sometimes speaking to like, you know, your friend or something that will just be like whoa like you're doing too much 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely did worry when we first put our price points out there, only because I don't come from, you know, an extremely wealthy background or anything. So, And at the beginning, most of our followers on Instagram were family and friends. So I knew that they would be thinking, you know, this is so expensive. Um, but I guess that's where, like you said, it's really important to understand your audience. There is, you know, a market out there for premium um, fashion. And I guess we just knew when we started, um, you know, designing and creating the garments that we wanted a really quality piece because like I said those those loungewear sets that we'd brought from the high street hadn't stood up to the test to our test so we knew that we wanted to produce real quality we wanted to use real quality yarns we wanted to you know work with the best manufacturers we wanted it to be fair and ethical in the way that it was made and how the yarn was produced and everything and at the moment we feel really strongly that it's made in the UK because we want to pump money back into our economy after you know everything that's happened over the past few years so it is a premium price point we feel it's worth it and we do feel you know if even if somebody you know saves up a lot of money and it's a huge deal for them to buy one thing it will last you know a lifetime with the right care um so we feel really proud to put our names against it really as we were creating the products that we didn't comp compromise at any point so as we were going through there were conversations about the different waistbands for example the waistband on our Audrey joggers are sort of um quite unique and give a really gorgeous silhouette as we were developing that uh the design studio we were working with there was two options in front of us obviously one was slightly more expensive because the elastics actually sewn in with the knit um, and we would just we just everything that we chose would because that's what we love and that's what will make the best possible product rather than worrying about oh, okay well we'll sacrifice that because it's a bit cheaper we can honestly say of our hands and our hearts every single product that is on our website has you know we've made sure that it's the best of the best that it's been road tested that it's quality fair um and as Zoe said, you know, the, the partnerships we've got with our manufacturers are, we're so lucky and grateful to have them because they've really looked after us as well. I think they're rooting for us, aren't they? And to do well and guiding us along the way. So it's, I think premium products, it's a, it's a tough one, but the, the landscape of how people invest in fashion is changing. We, um, I've got a great contact, this stylist who puts on these events and, we were finding out, you know, the um, rental market is now become. I mean, New York was way ahead of London, but fast fashion is just is out of fashion now, isn't it? Everyone, you know, everyone's got to be a bit more conscious. So, it we are we have got that premium price point, but we know that we're doing the right thing, and that people, you know, it's it's either a considered purchase for someone or it's something they can just buy in their everyday paycheck but um we kind of we, we really back what we're putting out there and let's get into that whole uh production process because you both came from you know non-fashion backgrounds so what was the first step where do you turn to um I know you've got amazing suppliers and partners that work with you but how did you even approach them 
So we have amazing suppliers now, but we didn't at the very start. So we, when we sort of launched the business, we were sitting down and kind of working out what do we want, what do we want to do. We had sort of put a bit of a roadmap together, but then went out and, and contacted various different sort of sample studios. The first one that we started working with was just a complete disaster and a bit of a an expensive mistake, wasn't it? But it led on to our supplier that we use now. And so we've got two main ones and they really were very kind to us in the beginning because they know that we'd had known we had this sort of situation before. They really looked after us and we communicated that we don't come from a fashion background. So they would start talking about knitwear and using all these technical terms. And we were just like, sorry, you're going to have to break that down for us because we don't know what you're talking about. Um, and so we've really had to educate ourselves along the way um, on, on knitwear, on fashion design. I mean, you really don't, I'm sure you've had multiple conversations with people about this. You don't have to be able to sketch a fashion design to be able to get that made now you know there's, there are design studios out there that you just need to be able to paint the picture for them and they can turn that into something I guess as well it's been it's been quite a lot well not a lot but it has been trial and error so you know we we've found this amazing yarn we're so happy with it a lot of our products use this certain yarn in different colors but you know, for example, we wanted this winter to launch um, a beanie hat with our scarf that is coming out next week. And the yarn just didn't work for the beanie hat. And we have to accept, okay, a version of the beanie hat, we could have sold it, you know, other people probably would have sold it. But for us, it wasn't good enough. And, mm. um, you know, with our standards, we're not going to put that on the market. And it's because, you know, the structure wasn't right for the yarn. So that's something that we have to let go and think, okay, this isn't right at the moment. We've learned a lesson there and next time we'll do something slightly differently. So, you know, we do have amazing partners. We do have, Jen has a fantastic vision. We both have good ideas for what we want to bring out. But sometimes, you know, we have to tweak, you know, our ideas slightly or we have to say, no, that product's not right at the moment with this yarn and things like that. So it is a bit of trial and error and learning along the way. Yeah, I love that. And obviously things don't always go right. And I think sometimes when you come into the business, you think, well, this is my design and I expect my first sample to be absolutely perfect. And then you realise you need another sample and then you realise you have to pay for that second other sample um, and it, it can add up, but um, it makes sense. May I ask what happened with the first supplier that you had? Yes, yeah, so we, um, so when we wanted to launch, we wanted to do the cardigan, the jogger and a bodysuit. Those were the three initial products that we wanted to run with. So, so we, um, instructed this sample studio and they had said great we'll be doing um we'll do the bodysuit but because you're wanting knitwear we're going to use a third party but we've got close relationships with them and we'll manage that relationship so we didn't think much about it at the time and we plowed on with this bodysuit and I think it was just as we were going through that Kim Kardashian launched skims and all these bodysuits coming out in the market it made us a little bit nervous because we thought that might be start to get saturated and competing with that at a time where we were new to the market so we we thought right okay we'll focus on the jogger and the cardigan for now and basically just nothing happened did it they just, <laughs> did, they just didn't really understand our vision you know they 
we had you know several meetings with them where they were to say okay so this is the route we're going down and it you know me and Jen would just look across the table and be like we hate it we just really they just yeah. haven't understood what we wanted even though we've you know shown them different samples and pictures and everything like that so um it was more that they just didn't really understand what we wanted I think yeah and I think it just became increasingly apparent that they didn't actually know any more than us when it came to knitwear and just one day we just sort of said look we we're going to go direct to a knitwear manufacturers Mm. so I think we'd sort of trusted that they had a slightly stronger relationship than they'd had and maybe they felt like they promised promised us something and we're just going along with it but I think much like a business partner your manufacturers are equally as important that we we work with people who have said to me Jen don't order that much order a little bit less see how you get on and then we'll you know we'll do more if, if it takes off there aren't that many people that will turn around and say that they'll just want to take your money so we feel so so lucky to have them um because it, it you know that can make or break a business in, in the early stage because being a premium product as well the majority of our money has obviously gone on product rather than anything else so yeah and what did that experience teach you in the end i was going to say just to perhaps have done a bit more due diligence mm. in, in terms of instructing that bunch of, essentially they said early doors we outsource the knitwear part you know knowing what we know now I would have said no worries let's do the bodysuit with you and we'll do the knitwear directly but we were so new to it and it just it felt neat and tidy going with one person to do all three products um but it's definitely that due diligence but and I think I get carried away with stuff Zoe is so good at going hang on a minute question this or we got contacted just before coming on on this podcast about an opportunity and I was like sorry look and she's like actually go on see how many followers they've got is this the right opportunity so so it's very good at this kind of practical and logistical side of stuff whereas I think I can do a bit I think as well it's it's taught us to you know trust our instinct and be confident with you know our gut feeling I think at the beginning because we don't have technical training we just thought you know like Jen said they would know better than us and you know we're probably being stupid because they're not understanding us even though we've done this brief and everything whereas now after we've had the success that we've had I would feel pretty confident and probably cut it off sooner to be like no we're 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 confident of our idea if you don't understand the brief after a few times explaining, then I'm afraid this isn't the right partnership, whereas we probably left it going on too long. Um, and that probably set us back a few months. How mm-hmm. has your experience in advertising helped with building the brand? Yeah, so it's helped a lot. Um, so like I said, we used to work together in advertising and we were both in project management. So we used to produce shoots and events and websites and ads and all of that. So all of that has been invaluable. We do all of that ourselves for our own brand, you know, produce our own shoes. We did our own website. We've done all of our own ads, everything like that. Um, I worked for a branding agency in New York. So, um, you know, with Jen, did all the branding for our for our company. Um, and Jen's got a lot of sales experience. So that's really helped um, with everything we're doing. 
And again, coming back to that gut instinct, Jen just has a really good creative eye. So um, we've got lots of skills between us, um, but also that's obviously huge because, you know, she she can see something and knows when or try something or we should get a sample made up of this. So it's helped a lot. And I guess also to say at the moment, it is just us two. So we do do all of that ourselves, all of our own advertising and, like I said, website and everything like that, um, which we probably wouldn't have done without the previous experience. Yeah, where we both worked in project management, I think we have that experience, as Zoe said, of you know running shoots and you would do everything within that. Sometimes models wouldn't turn up, so it was going and finding new models and it would be getting the catering in. So we... I'm not afraid to get our, our hands dirty. And I think where it is our own business, we try and do as much, almost anything ourselves before outsourcing. And we're not afraid to give it a go. So even with the website, we built that ourselves. Um, and that was something originally when we were doing our little costings, it was like, right, we're going to have to outsource that to someone. And then we just gave it a go and we're really proud of it, aren't we? So I think... That's de- that mindset has definitely helped us along the way. Is there anything about running a fashion brand that you just didn't expect? I think what's difficult is the sort of stark reality that this is our heart and soul. You know, we have really put everything into it. And I think the ner- sort of the nerves around that not being accepted by people and kind of worrying too much what people think and you've covered sort of the price point and things like that so I think it's the whilst we do trust our gut instinct anytime we launch something new there is this feeling you know we'll call each other and just say oh is that the right thing and I think it's just the constant need to sort of back yourself and and hype yourself up hype each other up which I think you see some fashion brands and there, I think there's a couple in particular that we've seen and we said oh look you know within three months they've done this and then looking at our own and not seeing that level of success and then questioning whether we're on to the right thing or not so we constantly have to remind ourselves that you know, we we are doing the right thing, that our time will come and all we can do is just keep working hard, um, keep doing our best and we will get there eventually. Is there anything practical that you do as well, um, you know, to deal with comparison? Besides like speaking to yourself, do you mute people (laughs) or anything like that? We don't mute people, but when we're talking to each other and say if one of us is being a bit, you know, doubtful or unsure, then I think the other person always reminds reminds us that we have of, of what we have achieved. So we haven't even been live for a year yet. And we have achieved so much. So the other person will be like, you know, we haven't even been live for a year, we've done this, 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 this. Um so it's t- talking each other off a cliff quite often. Um yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you this question later, but what are those achievements? What are some of the things that you're just most proud of? I think two things. First of all, the launch day for me was actually felt so emotional because I had always wanted some sort of fashion brand to actually get to a point of launching. It just felt so special. 
Um, and then I've got a vision board at home um, about Sunday Lux and the goals I have for us with that. And Rochelle Humes is on there. And with I think it was at month three, she wore our stuff um, to be photographed in her cookbook that's going to be out next week. And both Zoe and I have like the most ugly pictures of ourselves crying when when um she posted us and it, I remember it coming up saying Michelle Humes has tagged you in a post and it just felt amazing didn't it I, I it was, was really it was very happy. emotional yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and I guess you know to be honest one of we, we've had we've been very lucky with our press coverage and you know different celebrities and things like that wearing our clothes but I guess one of my most you know um, the thing, one of the things I'm most proud of is the, the customer feedback. You know, we get such kind feedback on people that buy our clothes, even from people that just, you know, look at our social. Um, and we've never had a customer return anything. And I just think that, you know, speaks volumes. We've had repeat customers. And to be honest, repeat customers are the biggest um, compliment we could yeah. get because they're obviously so happy with it. You know, some people buy it in various colors. And so, I think that's probably my most proud thing when I see a repeat mm-hmm. customer coming through and I just think, oh, they must really, really like it because, yeah. you know, they're buying it again. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. There's no better feeling than seeing that name pop up and you're like, I know you, you just bought that last <laughs> one. It's so, like, fulfilling. And especially with the no returns thing, I was actually saying to someone the other day that I was like, Rebecca Tember hasn't had any returns. And I think last year we had, like, two. <laughs> So even that, like, you want to keep it like that as low as possible, but of course things happen. So, yeah, that is so good. Well done to the two of you. Um, Funny enough, Rochelle Humes is also my vision board. Oh, good. Because I I love, like, more, like, American, not that I love American celebrities, but I feel like with America you have, like, more of a reach. So I was thinking, like, who in the UK would I love to dress one day? And Rochelle Humes is the only person that, not the only, but one of the only people that I was like, she is just flawless. I don't know if you saw her pictures the other day um yeah. with your with the family mm-hmm. oh stunning but um great well done so besides that what's been the most challenging part of running the business then all of it um <laughs> no I, I think it's it's difficult really because because we love what we do I think it's just it is hard work and I think it's managing our expectations and um, where we feel like we put so much into it. Sometimes we don't feel we're getting the traction that we, that we um, want. Also when we were sort of launching the products and first coming up with it, we didn't, we weren't thinking about seasons or anything like that. We obviously knew and acknowledged that autumn, winter, is our season essentially but we had put so much work into the launch of the initial products and then it's sort of we were just going through the motions coming through to spring summer and then we were like we don't have any summer products you know no one's buying thick chunky loungewear and particularly coming off the back of um lockdown so everyone had been in their homes for almost 18 months on and off and as it was coming into summer no I think all of the magazines and socials you know about chuck your loungewear away and you know you can get get out and finally wear clothes so I think that was 
particularly challenging and a, a big lesson for us because we've gone through the summer without having summer products to launch. So we have literally spent this last four or five months planning, planning and planning for this autumn winter. You know, we plan within an inch of our lives because we know that this is our time to shine. And we're only not even a couple of weeks in and we're starting to get traction already and some really exciting things. Even, you know, being part of this podcast is really exciting for us. So we're really excited for what is going to come now. And I think we've learned our lesson and we'll be, we're right in the middle of sort of having conversations about spring, summer as well now. So I think that that was the main challenge. The good thing I in think... the UK is that uh, summer's short. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're back in winter now, it's freezing. <laughs> but sorry, yeah. Zoe, you were saying... No, I was just going to say, I think another challenge is, um, you know, we we email or we message, you know, say 100 people or more um, to say, you know, would you like to try our loungewear or about coverage or whatever? And, you know, maybe one will come back out of all those messages you send. Um, and obviously it is fantastic when you see your product like in a magazine or something. But I think you have to be quite thick skinned because I think if, if you weren't, I think that would start to get to you because not everyone replies, you know, not everyone is going to feature you, but everyone is going to want to try your loungewear. So that is a challenge, but you just have to keep going. And it is obviously just so rewarding when you see somebody, you know, fantastic wearing it. Yeah. I'm really happy you mentioned that, Zoe, because um, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you get celebrities to wear your pieces? And I think, you know, there's this sort of idea that people just always find you and, you know, just drops on your lap and I'm like we email them like all the time mm -hmm. you know we have to send emails every single week we actually have, have like a number target and if you don't then how are people gonna know who you are it's not like you're a big brand where of course they're gonna know who Gucci are or you know who Colt Gaia are mm -hmm. but when when you're so new especially in the UK where it's so small so you're gonna try and find like international stylists as well you have to sit down, get your email templates out, adjust them for who you're speaking to and just spend like a couple of hours a week blasting them out, you know, without being too spammy. So um, I appreciate you bringing that up. What do you think today's designers can do better to prepare them for the roller coaster ahead? Stay off social media and don't compare yourself to other brands. I think that was the one thing that I really struggled with because it's it is saturated it's a saturated market right so you really do just have to do it for the love of it and obviously back your idea but very few brands have overnight success now and I think you do just have to keep going and trust sort of the vision that you've got and trust that hard work does pay off eventually I think it's it's, it is just particularly difficult within fashion because I think so many people want to do it. But like I said at the start of this, you don't actually have to be the very best at it. You do. You just have to try and, and trust the instinct and go with it because that's more than 99% of people do. So I think it's, you know, backing yourself and being relentless with your self-development and your growth and what you're putting into your brand and not comparing to, you know, when you see the Kardashians, for example, there's nothing they can't launch that isn't sold out within two minutes of it going live on their site. That's so disheartening to people who put in a year of graph to launch something. Um, so I think it's 
trying to, you know, protecting that bubble and kind of trusting that not everyone gets that overnight success. Definitely. Yeah, and I would just say, I guess, to to be resilient and not expect problems, but just not get disheartened when problems or obstacles come up because, honestly, there's so many things that arise. You'll know this, you know, with deliveries or yarn or, you know, stock quantities or whatever it is there's there's something every week that comes up that is a challenge for us and if we you know stopped the first time we had a challenge we wouldn't even get to launch um so I think you just have to you know be smart about creative solutions about being able to you know find another way around um but don't think that it's going to be all smooth sailing I would say just not welcome them but know that they are part Mm -hmm. of having a business and launching a business and you know that you can crack them but it is part of it you've both mentioned having thick skin self-development is there anything that you do that you read or would recommend for um, designers to read as well or consume it's a difficult one because I think it's just there are so many different um, like the books podcasts I've even done this four-day seminar with Tony Robbins once just because someone had told me that it was something that would change your life. I think we both just give something a go, don't we? Mm. Um, and just constantly challenge yourself. I think I've just always thought, well, if, if they can do it, why can't we? Mm. You know, and you, you meet people that are doing these fantastic things and they're no smarter than you or they're no more talented than you. They've just done it and tried it. So I think, well, that could be us. So let's be like that. (laughs) Definitely. Um, And what does making it look like to you both? Like when will you sit back? And I don't want to say like what's the big goal because you're going to reach it and then you're going to have another big goal by then. But you could sit back and be like, cool, I am really happy with where I'm at and this was totally worth it. I think short term to work on Sunday likes full time and give up our corporate jobs Mm -hmm. so that we could both take a salary. You know, if we had a little office somewhere, that would be amazing. Um, But really, you know, have full time to dedicate to it. Um, I mean, long term, sky's the limit, really, isn't it? But that's my short term goal. Yeah, I think that we've got very sort of tunnel vision when it comes to us both being able to give up give up our jobs but we do I mean we joke around but we're actually serious aren't we saying when we're sat on our yacht clinking our spicy margaritas together then we can really say we've made it but we'll still be working when we're on our phones won't we (laughs) please invite me please (laughs) oh my god I was in Monaco like two years ago and we're walking past the boats and I was like um I'm meant to be there like I can just feel it like I felt so <laughs> you will be there oh, I will and it's not even like it was the first time I went but every time I go I'm like oh my god like get me on a yacht I just want to yeah. you know just chill have conversations have a glass of wine it looks great it looks great <laughs> so bougie and luxury about a yacht isn't it <laughs> there really is there really is like it's literally you can have like a mansion on the water so yeah. you can't even <laughs> swim or float and you can literally have that one. oh my god anyways we're, we're gonna have that guys we're gonna have that um do you have any passing advice for our listeners I think so 
Zoe and I, we always worry that we sound a little bit cheesy when we say this, but we live by the motto, leap and the net will appear. And genuinely, that is what I would say to anyone. You do just have to start, just start with something small, but you do have to just go for it and trust that you won't know everything when you start and you'll just learn as you go along and neither of us wanted to be one of my biggest fears right was growing old and being one of those people that said I always wanted to have a go at doing a fashion brand or I was going to do that I could just couldn't bear the thought of that so I feel like regardless of what happens with Sunday Lux we can both say we've tried that we've done the thing that we said we really wanted to do I mean, I agree. Leap in the net will appear. We say <laughs> to each other all the time, just got to crack on. If it works, amazing. If it doesn't, we'll just change it. That's literally all there is to it. Yeah, it's literally action. There's only so many podcasts you can listen to or books you can read. You actually just have to do it and then take it from there. And we actually, two years ago, we climbed Kilimanjaro together, which on reflection is actually quite hilarious you know when we told our parents and family we were doing it they just didn't believe it because we both as we said love our luxury and cozy home comforts but that really really tested us didn't it and we always anytime something happens or something is really challenging for us to deal with we both say yeah but we've done we plan Kilimanjaro it's fine we can do this or you know what would you rather do be doing this or climbing Kilimanjaro again? We're like, yeah, okay, this. So I think it's, um, we know that's kind of rooted in, a, in us forever, really, that kind of grit and determination. We know we can do that, so we can, we can do anything. Yeah. Uh, lastly, where can our listeners find you? So sundaylux.co.uk or on Instagram, um, sundaylux underscore. Perfect. I'll put that in the description. But thank you so much for your time, Jen and Zoe. It's been amazing speaking to you both. Thank you thank so you much. So much. Lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you're inspired to take action on your dreams right away. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps us expand our show and reach more people just like you. Until next time, keep striving and thriving.